Silence, driving home after your diagnosis engulfed the car. Periodic fits of crying, road out of focus from tears. It's the holidays. Your whole extended family is getting together, and you're all sitting around the dinner table, and everyone's having a great time. But then, someone asks you, are you seeing anyone? Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. France surgically removes conversion therapy. A quilt for David extracts a persecuted gay dentist's real story. And queer youth feast on family angst for the holidays. Those stories and more this week because you found This Way Out. I'm M.R. Raquel. And I'm Michael Taylor Gray. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending December 18th, 2021. French lawmakers have enacted one of the world's strongest bans on conversion therapy. The bill outlaws practices, behaviors, and repeated statements with the intent of modifying or repressing a person's real or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity and having the effect of a material alteration to their mental or physical health. Claims that queer people can be guided onto the straight and narrow through counseling and or prayer have been definitively debunked. Convicted practitioners will face up to two years in prison and a fine equivalent to almost 35,000 U.S. dollars. If a minor or vulnerable adult is victimized, the penalties increase to three years in prison and an almost $40,000 fine. Healthcare professionals who practice conversion therapy could also lose their medical licenses for 10 years. There are no religious exemptions. Senators in the Parliament's upper house voted 305 to 28 to approve the measure on December 14th. It passed unanimously in the National Assembly in October. President Emmanuel Macron is expected to sign it into law. That will add France to the slowly growing list of countries with national bans on conversion therapy. Malta was the first. Canadian lawmakers banned the practice last week with legislation to take effect in January. It's also illegal in Albania, Brazil, Ecuador, Germany, and Taiwan. Similar bills are being considered in a few other countries. The Court of Justice of the European Union has ordered all member states to legally recognize the children of same-gender couples. The December 14th ruling came in the case of a baby girl who was born in Spain to a Bulgarian-born woman and her Gibraltar-born wife. Bulgarian authorities refused to recognize the baby's citizenship because the Eastern European country does not allow lesbian and gay couples to legally wed and does not acknowledge the legal marriages of same-gender couples performed elsewhere. The decision says that Bulgaria must recognize the baby's Spanish birth certificate, which lists both mothers as her parents. A foundational EU law requires all member states to allow citizens the freedom to travel within the Union to any other member state. The judges ruled that Bulgaria's failure to issue the baby a government ID card or passport would impede the child's exercise of the right of free movement and thus full enjoyment of her rights as a Union citizen. Speaking through the queer advocacy group ILGA Europe, the couple said, This is a long-awaited step ahead for us, but also a huge step for all LGBT families in Bulgaria and Europe. 
European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen insists that if you are a parent in one country, you are a parent in every country. Lawmakers in the Mexican state of Zacatecas approved a marriage equality bill this week by a vote of 18 to 10 with one abstention. The measure had failed to advance in several previous legislative sessions. Members of so-called pro-life groups tried to block lawmakers from entering the Zacatecas Legislative Palace to prevent the final reading of the bill, according to local reports. Pro-equality counter-demonstrators were on hand to celebrate its final passage. Mexico's Supreme Court ruled in 2015 that state bans on civil marriage for same-gender couples were unconstitutional. However, each individual state was left to determine how to open the civil institution to gay and lesbian couples. In 2018, the Inter-American Court of Human Rights ordered all member states, including Mexico, to let lesbian and gay couples legally wed. The ruling had no enforcement provisions. By most accounts, queer couples will now be able to legally marry in 25 of Mexico's 31 states. The Federal District of Mexico City led the way in 2007. Just how many queers are there, you ask? It's been a hard question to answer, since closeted people who don't want to be counted are difficult to track. But a report released in the U.S. this week suggests that those closet doors are flying open in record numbers. The Human Rights Campaign is the largest queer equality group in the country. Their analysis of the U.S. Census Bureau's Household Pulse Survey finds at least 20 million adults living in the United States identify as LGBTQ, close to 8% of the population. That's twice the most recent estimate of 4.4% reported by the Public Religious Research Institute's American Values Atlas in 2018. The percentage would no doubt be higher still if there were just some way to count the closets. The Bs were the majority among the LGBTQs, with 4% identifying as bisexual. Even though there are no questions about sexual orientation or gender identity, in its major studies, Human Rights Campaign Interim President Joni Madison still praised the effort. She said, I commend the Biden administration and the U.S. Census Bureau for finally allowing researchers to count us, and we look forward to seeing the LGBTQ community counted in further studies. Data from the Census Bureau is used to help determine how billions of dollars of federal money are spent. A small group of lawmakers in Senegal announced this week that they're drafting legislation to essentially make being an LGBTQ person a crime. The proposed legislation would add up to five years to what is already a potentially five-year prison term for acts against nature with a person of the same gender. Convictions for attempted acts against nature would draw the same penalties. It would also jail for up to five years anyone who finances and or advocates for queer equality. The proposed legislation defines acts against nature as lesbianism, homosexuality, bisexuality, transsexuality, intersexuality, bestiality, necrophilia, and other related practices. Its supporters' erroneous description of intersexuality is almost laughable. They call it being adept at all imaginable sexual orgies. Lawmaker Aliun Suare is part of a four-person group of National Assembly deputies who call themselves the Say No to Homosexuality Alliance. He told reporters that their draft would soon be submitted, but it's not clear how much support the proposal has in Parliament. 
Homosexuality is a taboo subject in a number of African nations, and mostly Muslim, Senegal is one of them. Discrimination and harassment are routine, as is anti-queer violence against anyone even perceived to be LGBTQ. However, the Freedom Collective of Senegal responded to the announced proposal with a statement asserting, Homosexuality has always existed in Senegal, as it has everywhere else, and LGBTI people are a full-fledged component of Senegalese society that has the right to respect, just like everyone else. Senegal's proposed bill mirrors similar draconian legislation being considered by the parliament in the neighboring, mostly Christian, West African nation of Ghana. Finally, Barbados is now the planet's newest republic. The Caribbean island nation gained its independence from Britain in 1966, but has continued as a constitutional monarchy. British ties were formally broken on November 30th in a ceremony headed by newly elected President Sandra Mason. Barbados has criminalized homosexual acts since colonial rule. LGBTQ rights supporters have lobbied for the removal of those anti-queer sex laws during the transition from constitutional monarchy to full independence. Prior to the official independence ceremony, Prime Minister Mia Motley introduced a new charter of Barbados in Parliament that appears to do even more. Article 1 reads, All Barbadians are born free and are equal in human dignity and rights regardless of age, race, ethnicity, faith, class, cultural and educational background, ability, sex, gender, or sexual orientation. The charter is not a binding legal document, but activists think such language will help advance LGBTQ equality in the newly minted nation. Co-founder of Barbados Gays and Lesbians and All Sexuals Against Discrimination, Donia Pigot, told The Independent, Becoming a republic is a great opportunity for Barbados to wipe the slate and determine who we are. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending December 18, 2021. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm Michael Taylor Gray. Stay healthy. And I'm M.R. Raquel. Stay safe. This just in from Santiago Chile, leftist student activist Gabriel Boric has defeated right-wing lawmaker Jose Antonio Cast in a presidential runoff election. This is a real relief to advocates of the recently enacted marriage equality law, which Boric supported and Cast opposed. Boric will take office in March, just after the first same-gender couples are expected to march down the aisle. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. God help you, Mary Dykes and folks, for much to your dismay. You'll have to see your family at least on Christmas Day. 
for relative discomfort or for total disarray. And they dare call this comfort and joy, comfort and joy. And they dare call this comfort and joy. A lot of people have come out during the holidays, and a lot of families have been torn apart by it. Knowing that it could happen to you is a lot of weight for a teenager to carry. The holiday cheers and fears of youthful queers. But first, the conclusion of Brian DeShazer's audio interpretation of A Quilt for David. This book of poetry, written by Stephen Raines and published by City Lights Books, centers on dentist David Acker, who became a victim of dueling epidemics, AIDS, and media hysteria. The third and final installment of this special presentation begins with Rain's reading and opening poem. You worked hard to finish school, built a practice, and created a family of co-workers. Kimberly returned home, told her mother the dentist seemed like a nice guy. The mother, under oath, would later say that you were a pretty amicable guy. The personnel was great. It was kind of like a family thing. All these years later, they still honor you. Saw how every word was twisted, every quote was suspect, so your staff stopped talking. Silence more loving than defense. All across the country, of tremendous hysteria about the overreaction against AIDS patients. And that is, ended up the only person that I've been exposed to that had had AIDS uh, was the dentist. Scientists at the National Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta today released the results of a study. So the first accuser of David was Kimberly Bergalis. You know, through my research, all of them had outside risk factors. Kimberly believes she contracted the deadly disease during a 1987 tooth extraction. Her dentist, David Acker of Stewart, died of AIDS this past September. You bought the nicest house on Alameda Way, furnished it with modern American furniture, sheer curtains, a full-size pool table, played Yes's owner of a lonely heart on the stereo, and you fenced the backyard, got a pilot's license, ski boat, and a truck to pull it, and a tennis club membership. If you weren't going to have a partner, weren't going to have a family, you were going to create one. Bought a cocker spaniel, named her Ginger for her color. This case is bringing national attention to our area tonight and to the increasing fears over how the AIDS virus is spread. Nowhere has the impact of AIDS been so tragic than here in our area, where a young woman is the first in the country to claim she contracted the deadly disease from a medical caregiver. The implications for you and for the health community are enormous. Silence, driving home after your diagnosis, engulfed the car, moving up the coast. Your green four-door Accord humming up the interstate. Periodic fits of crying, road out of focus from tears, no cell phone to call someone and confide. Even if there had been, you would have kept the news a secret. The doctor to driveway commute gave you time to think about this death sentence. No one recovered from the disease. No pills cure, or even hope. Walked into your front door, greeted by Ginger, your cocker spaniels panting and wagging. Slumped onto the foyer floor, petted her, cried, 
confided in Ginger through the night. So I went to Florida several times to interview people. I went through courthouse documents. I went through libraries, uh, press clippings. But also what was really helpful is since there were laws. I'd sew for you. I'd grab a needle, put the thread in my mouth, moisten the fibers together. I'd pierce into the eye. I'd hem, backstitch, sidestitch, a remembrance of you. I'd put your name in large letters, wanting no one to forget that you died of it, too. I'd sew you into that larger quilt because no one else has. I'd select patterns, design a quilt representing your lifelong loves. Kimberly has four panels. I'd sew for you, thimble on my thumb, push the threaded needle through the fabric. If I were to prick my finger and bleed... I wouldn't regret a single drop of blood or effort. You've been listening to part three of A Quilt for David, the last in a three-part series bringing the book of poetry to the airwaves in serial form. To listen to all three parts as a whole, visit us at thiswayout.org. Archival sound included NBC's Tom Brokaw from June 17, 1982. Science journalist Laurie Garrett on KPFA Berkeley from the mid-1980s. And finally, anchor Laurel Sauer and Kimberly Brigalis from a 1990 WPTV news report. A Quilt for David, published by City Lights Books, written and read by Stephen Rains. For This Way Out, I'm Brian DeShazer. signed up for our e-newsletter inside this way out we send them out every few weeks briefly reviewing recent and previewing upcoming programming and deepening the conversation about your favorite international lgbtq radio show to receive the occasional inside this way out and let us know you're listening email us at info at thiswayout.org holiday plans. The Outcasting Overtime crew has been putting a lot of thought into their Yuletide preparations, and it's way more complicated than who's naughty and who's nice. This is Outcasting Overtime for Media for the Public Good, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Hi, I'm Sarah, an Outcasting youth participant. It's the holidays, the most wonderful time of the year, according to an old song. Everything is supposed to be warm and bright. Your whole extended family is getting together, and you're all sitting around the dinner table, and everyone's having a great time just being together. Or at least, that's how it seems. But then, someone asks you, are you seeing anyone? It's a perfectly innocent question, but if you're young and LGBTQ, and if you're not supposed to talk about it, or maybe you aren't even out, it can be explosive. When your whole family is getting together for the holidays, your parents probably want everything to be as perfect as possible. The beds are made, the floors are swept, and the cooking can go on for days. Maybe you don't care much about the holidays, but your parents sure do. 
They didn't want anything to happen that could disrupt the family reunion. But if you're LGBTQ, that certainly is something that could disrupt the reunion. Maybe you're not out at all. Maybe you've come out to your parents and they say, we're fine with it. Just don't talk about it when everyone's here. Let's skip it for the holidays and we'll deal with telling everyone another time. Or maybe they aren't fine with it at all. Maybe you didn't even come out to your immediate family and you're scared that someone will start noticing things or asking questions that could force you to lie. Even if you're okay with everyone finding out that you're LGBTQ, do you really want to be on stage for the whole dinner? Are you ready to have those conversations with Uncle Jack and Aunt Jane? You could be tense because you don't want to be put on the spot. Maybe you came out to your parents, but you don't want to be out to everyone, so you're worried that someone in your own family could out you, even if you're not ready. Whatever the reason, at this time of year, when emotions might be especially intense, maybe you can't bring it up at all, or you're not supposed to. If you're lucky, maybe you've gotten to a point in your life where you feel great about yourself, and not talking about it, lying about it, is stressful. Being in the closet is stressful. When you're closeted, you have to hide an important part of yourself. And especially if you're not out to anyone, your self-esteem can take a hit. Being LGBTQ can be a pretty big part of your identity, something you've struggled to accept. But if people tell you not to talk about it, it makes it feel like it's something bad, like a guilty pleasure you have to hide so that people don't judge you. If you're trans, people may not know, and it can be exhausting to have to present yourself as your gender assigned at birth. The holidays can amount to days of wrong pronouns, wrong name, and other people's wrong assumptions about who you are. Being deadnamed and misgendered can be a big source of dysphoria. Pretending to be someone you're not is like crawling back into the shell you inhabited for so long. This isn't me, you may be screaming to yourself. But for the supposed sake of others, you have to inhabit that shell once again. It can be bad for your mental health, especially if you've worked for years to figure yourself out. You just want to live your life as your real self and let your LGBTQ identity be an integrated part of who you are. Hopefully, you feel that it's something joyful and natural. But at this time of year, maybe you can't. Because it's the holidays, and you're not supposed to ruin things. You feel that it's your responsibility to make other people comfortable, at your own expense. So, you're experiencing this tension about the things that could happen if you did come out at the holiday dinner table. There could be scrutiny and uncomfortable questions. People could have negative opinions, but try not to say anything. You could be outright rejected. A screaming match could ensue. Permanent issues within your extended family could develop and people might never even speak to each other again. And your immediate family could blame you for the whole blow-up. How can you handle all of this? You could rebel and come out to everyone. You could just accept the situation, suppress your identity until everyone leaves. But again, that's bad for you. You could slyly hint at it and never actually say the words. You could leave and go be by yourself in your room, but then, what would people say? Would your parents have to lie in order not to let on? You'd probably be wondering, does my family accept me? 
or do they just tolerate me? A lot of people have come out during the holidays, and a lot of families have been torn apart by it. Knowing that it could happen to you just because you're LGBTQ is a lot of weight for a teenager to carry. Coming out is an experience that can be intensely emotional for everyone involved. Obviously, no one should come out or be outed if they aren't ready. But family members who may have anti-LGBTQ attitudes might never evolve if their preconceived notions aren't challenged. So if you're ready, and if your immediate family is supportive, what could happen if you just said it? Maybe it's not your job to educate others, but could your personal story affect Uncle Jack and Aunt Jane in ways no one expects? Could it lead to a more meaningful discussion around the table? Instead of rejection, could it make your family relationships deeper and better? Could it even be wonderful? Thanks for listening to Outcasting Overtime from Outcasting Media, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Outcasting Media is a production of Media for the Public Good, based in New York. This piece was created by the Outcasting team, including Lil, Isha, Sasha, Tim, Justin, and me, Sarah. Our executive producer is Mark Sofis. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about outcasting, watch outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to outcasting and related content. You can also find Outcasting on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and other major podcast sites. Thanks, and thanks for listening. So have yourself a merry little Christmas There are several resources online for LGBTQ youth and families, including thetrevorproject.org and itgetsbetter.org for advice on your particular situation. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. Next time on This Way Out, join our year-end party for some of the people who went publicly proud in 2021 and celebrate being extraordinary. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Shut up. Suck it up. Get a girlfriend. Marry a woman. Settle down. Have kids. You've hidden it for this long. What's a couple more decades? The perfect time is always now, you know, and I, I, I wish I had done this a long time ago. Jackson trying to get out. Can't do it. Carl Nassib had the hit on Jackson. Ebony, my love. Rebel, my love. Happy Pride. And happy whatever you're having this holiday season from all of us at This Way Out. Happy whatever you're having. Whatever to you. Thanks 
for discovering This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from M.R. Raquel and Michael Taylor Gray, produced by Brian Gershazer, from Brian Gershazer, and from Outcaster Sarah, produced by Mark Sophus. The Sydney Gay Liberation Choir, Sam Smith, Sam Cook, Rod Stewart, Huey Lewis and the News, and the Therapy Sisters performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way, our thanks to Kicking Assets Fund at the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentum, and donors Christopher Matthews, and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and everyone at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on 3ECB, Croydon, Victoria, KHEN, Salida, Colorado, Rainbow Radio FM, New York, New York, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, ho, 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 and stay tuned.